and for that you are paying roughly 25k per year in general that's a very high spend for this size of company i have seen let's say if you are going to go for academic and treat or the smaller size of erp or maybe odoo you are probably going to pay about the same and you are going to get the real erp but again the implementation is going to be slightly more expensive than these platforms and the reason for that is because of the, the amount of data modeling that you have to do on those platforms Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number 1 priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. The hate of ERP systems is not new. Every time a new kid in the town challenges how they are making the ERP systems easier. There are some companies that have approached this in the right fashion, such as Odoo or Acumatica, by understanding how ERP systems work and why they need to have layered complexity. The others have simply eliminated the necessary details for them to have a scalable data model. These systems are great poor man's ERP solutions as you might not be able to afford the consulting dollars and change management at that stage and that is okay when you are small but you can't go very far with them without understanding how to model your customers vendors items bombs and chart of accounts to get the tangible business benefits with costing inventory supply chain and scheduling in today's episode we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on linkedin to conduct an independent review of Katana manufacturing ERP's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their strengths and weaknesses, and where they fit with their target market. We also covered their capabilities on the MRP, their approach for costing and allocation, their data model, and how that drives which customers would be the right fit for them. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. And for today, we have a little newbie here. It's called Katana MRP. We are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. If you still don't know me, I am your host, Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I'll move to Andy for his intro. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for inviting me. Um, If you don't know me, I'm the comedic uh, relief on these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I've been involved in ERP software with manufacturers for over 40 years, if you can believe it. I've worked all over North America, lived in the U.S. for 11 years, in Vancouver, British Columbia these days, and uh, I also have a uh, published book on how to uncover the truth about ERP software before you buy. Thank you again for having me join. Of course, it's always a pleasure um, to have you and uh, get a little uh, comedic relief there. So thank you so much for uh, doing that on the shows. Hey, you know, if I could only if I could only get an audience of only ERP and manufacturing folks, I could be stand up. Yeah, and I think they'll relate with your jokes because most of the time I can tell you that you can only speak about the ERP jokes. I've never heard any other jokes from you. 
<laughs> that's my problem. That's all. That's my own material. That's all the material I've got is ERP jokes. They are only going to be funny in the ERP community. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And would you consider these guys as part of the ERP community? Uh, we'll decide that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, they are calling themselves as ERP. Everybody is sort of calling them as ERP because ERP is hot for some reason. Um, and we'll see if these guys are real ERP or not. And sometimes it could be confusing. What do you want to call a real ERP, ERP? It's always a debate, um, especially with these um, MRP solutions, which are, in my mind, they are slightly more add-ons on uh, specific accounting system. Yes, they are going to position themselves as more of the ERP and they are going to say, hey, I'm ERP and then you have accounting. <laughs> hey, the reality is is that the acronym uh, in these types of softwares, in this case ERP, has become more of a marketing acronym because everyone claims they're an ERP system, just like back in the old days when everyone claimed they were an MRP system, an MRP2 system, and now ERP. Eventually, everybody claims it, and so it doesn't really have any value. But anyways, looking forward to discussing it. Exactly, exactly. And this is the challenge that we have had with a lot of other similar solutions. In this particular case, they are going to be slightly modern overall from the UI perspective. The way these guys are designed, and sometimes it's very hard to sort of debate, especially when you are going to talk to anybody in the e-commerce community, they typically don't have as the um, accounting supply chain background for them. They, you know, ERP is very different in their eyes uh, in general, the way they like to think about. But Andy, uh, you know, if let's say we were doing this review one year back, then I would have very different opinion about the software. But overall, I think when we are working with some of these smaller customers. Uh, we have come to realize that there is a little learning curve. When any company is going to move to ERP system, they require a lot more data modeling expertise in general, okay? Manufacturing, I would say not so much. The reason for that is because in the case of manufacturing, your engineers design your bonds so you have at least something to start with, okay? There are going to be some manufacturing patches in which you don't go through the engineering process. If you look at the traditional manufacturing spaces, let's say if you talk about any of the traditional manufactured goods, for example, your car, airplanes, you know, all of that uh, go through an engineering process. Engineers typically design the bombs. So it's just much easier for the business to be able to inherit those things. So they, they don't have to figure out their parts. They don't have to figure out their excuse. Their bombs are going to be designed. But in the other patches where you don't have engineers involved in the modeling of these SKUs, it could be very hard for business owners to do that. And that's where I think these solutions do a wonderful job because they hide the complexity of all of that bomb modeling. Obviously, you have to go through the ERP process once you grow to, let's say, 8 to $10 million in revenue. But there is a spot when you are not going to have a controller, you're not going to have a CFO, uh, you are not going to have a decent, uh, not decent, I would say, seasoned operations manager. Uh, you know, it's very hard for business owners to be able to figure out these GL mappings, to be able to figure out, you know, how to sort of um, create identification for the SKUs, how to create the structured bombs uh, from the SKUs, and how to productize the offering. In some cases, the offerings are going to be productized, but not always. So that's where I think these solutions do a wonderful job because it's not going to have as much learning curve. It does not mean that they are an ERP, but they do fill a very interesting gap 
that is going to be much harder. For example, let's say if these businesses are trying to get to Odoo uh, or some other ERP, for them it's going to be much harder to adopt because they have to figure out their own SKUs and bombs. ERP consultants are going to say, hey, tell me, where are your IDs? <laughs> where are your SKUs? Where are your bombs? I don't see them. Okay, so who's going to figure that out? So ERP consultants typically don't do that. And there is a process and you require very experienced consultant to be able to do that modeling. And that's very hard for business. And that's where I feel these solutions do uh, a wonderful job. And that's where I think they are trying to fill that gap. Andy, uh, I don't know if you have any commentary there. I can take those or... No, no, let's move along. Okay, so in this particular case, uh, let's actually go to the slides. Um, so they have a little uh, um, picture here. And in this particular case, there are many different similar solutions like Atena, okay? So you are going to have Fulcrum is one. We have reviewed some of the other manufacturing-centric solutions such as ProShop, uh, which also has very similar position. Then you have solutions like BrightPearl. BrightPearl, the only difference between BrightPearl and these solutions, they had a little accounting flavor. And sometimes they might have very little accounting flavor. In fact, the way solutions such as Blackboard started, they all had just very, very, very minimal accounting flavor because they didn't start as more of the accounting solution. So they would have very tight coupling with your GL code. They won't have the same business rule hierarchy that you are going to find in many other ERP system. So you are going to run out of the options, but you know, it's a poor man's ERP. <laughs> So the comparable here are going to be any of the solutions that sit on top of either QuickBooks or Zero are two major accounting platforms where these solutions hang out and the comparable is going to be your ProShop, BrightPearl, uh, what else am I missing here? Skubana uh, is very well prevalent in the manufacturing the, space. The E2 job boss type systems. I'll be careful with job bus. Job bus, I don't know if it integrates. Uh, I think it does have an option it to integrate with QuickBooks. It does have accounting, but it does integrate to QuickBooks, etc. as well. It, it, exactly. And I don't know how they do it. Are they going to have the similar integration the way QuickBooks integration is going to work? Because in general, the QuickBooks integration is very flaky, the way the integration is designed. Uh, okay, it's not supposed to be an ERP. It's supposed to be, hey... You do your operations, and I'm actually going to send the GL codes later on to my accounting system. Um, they, in general, I call this as more of a text-based ERP system. Okay, now let me define what is a text-based. Typically, accounting, no, uh, the QuickBooks, if you look at the solution, it's not, they, they don't necessarily support the SKU SKU. Uh, the way SKU modeling, even if they support SKU, there are going to be only four fields and they are going to be just one dimensional the way the data is structured. Typically in ERP system, you are going to have multiple layers of hierarchies only at the SKU level. So that's where the real differentiation is. So even if these guys can support the uh, ID or they might have an optional ID, the number of layers that you are going to have at the item level are going to be fairly minimal. The number of layers that you are going to have at the customer and vendor level are going to be fairly minimal as well. Uh, you know, one of the shocking, okay, shocking comment that I have heard from the customers if they are going to switch from QuickBooks to an ERP. One of the things that they, it's, it's a shock for them because in the case of QuickBooks, it does not require your customers to be mapped with a GL code, okay? And for them, all of a sudden now, each customer requires a GL code. Why do you need that? <laughs> okay, so that's a learning curve for the customer because they are thinking that maybe QuickBooks is easy. But the intent, why you are trying to map a GL code, and it's not just one GL code. It's going to be a series of GL code that you are mapping at the customer level, at the item level, at the vendor level, is because you are trying to automate your bookkeeping. Whatever decisions your accountant is going to make in the back end, you are making that as part of your business rules, as part of your hierarchy, so that you don't have to do as much work in the back end. Okay, so the at least the operational transactions you are trying to automate as much as possible. That's going to be number one, your bookkeeping. Number two, it's going to be your Procurement. Procurement is slightly on a higher maturity curve. When, and typically, if you don't even have your skew and bombs model, 
how's your MRP going to work? <laughs> okay, so that's where the real challenge is. So, so it depends upon the degree of modeling of each of the master data that you are going to be using in your systems. And typically, when you are going to be on top of QuickBooks, none of your business objects are going to be modeled in general. Even if they have a little bit of modeling, that's going to be very minimal. So that's where the real differentiator is between an ERP system versus some sort of add-on on top of uh, an accounting system. And once you get mature in your processes, then you will realize how important that modeling gets because that's where you get the real financial control, the real automation, real, uh, you know, uh, automation overall from the uh, financial perspective, also from the procurement perspective, as well as supply chain. These things become very, very, very hard to manage once you are going to be at $8, 10 $15 million uh, mark. Andy, any comments there? Well, sure. One, one other package that might be... Uh... Similar would be fishbowl. Fishbowl is very comparable. You are absolutely right there. Uh, and the way fishbowl uh, operates, and obviously it's going to be an add-on. And right now, it's very clunky overall the way the code base is. Obviously, in the QuickBooks space, it's fairly popular. But you are absolutely right that you know it's going to be comparable um, to your Katana MRP. Uh, it can do your distribution. It can do manufacturing. But again. The whole accounting layer is going to be very isolated. It's going to be very clunky the way the modeling is done. So here uh, we have some more comments. So here we are talking about outsourced production with manufacturing ERP software. Thousands of manufacturers love. So they are obviously calling this as ERP. But in my mind, until you have your chart of account hierarchy mapping, this is not really an ERP software, okay? You are going to get a lot of issues, and we are going to discuss all of those issues in the customer reviews from, and some people realize that, especially if you are going to be slightly mature or if you have seen any sort of ERP system in your life, then you will understand, you know, what those issues are. But let's say most of the entrepreneurial company or entrepreneurs, they don't really understand what a real ERP is. So for them, it's going to be better than, you know, most ERP system because obviously the ERP systems are supposed to be hard, especially from the modeling perspective, also from the usage perspective. But once you actually model, then the amount of data entry, the amount of encapsulation that you are going to get on ERP system is mind blowing. Okay, so that's where the real difference is. So here we have some more, and by the way, let me see, any, if you go to any of the seasoned ERP systems, they don't necessarily approve these systems because you are going to get a lot of issues in your business. So for example, let's say if Katana is trying to play on top of either Sage Intact or Apicor, Infor, they will not approve these systems. The reason for that is because the customers are going to have issues with their inventory, with their supply chain, and that's the reason why they are not approving. As long as you are going to be in your QuickBooks ecosystem, you are probably going to be okay. But once you get a seasoned controller, seasoned you know CFO, they typically understand why an ERP system is required overall from the financial control perspective. So obviously, they are going to find something that is going to provide them the financial control overall from the access perspective, overall from the way your transactions are processed, the way they are approved. So they are going to bring all of that. But typically, even if you see these solutions on top of, let's say, again, the financial solutions that are going to be slightly more accounting centric solutions. Sometimes these solutions set on top of SAP, they are going to claim that, you know what, I can work on top of SAP or I can work on top of NetSuite or Sage Tech or something like that. If that happens, then they are typically not approved by these vendors because in general, they, the ERP systems don't want to get the bad name in the market and that's why they are not approving these systems. There are going to be other add-ons that they approve, but not these ones in general. So you are going to find them in the Shopify ecosystem, in BigCommerce ecosystem, in the accounting ecosystems, but not necessarily in the ERP ecosystems. So here, obviously, they have big Shopify stamp, and sometimes this could be a very misleading positioning in the market, especially for customers. It could be very confusing because obviously Shopify is very simple the way it is designed, and Shopify could work for very, very, very large companies. The reason for that is because the only thing Shopify is doing is Shopify is meant to do only the order capture. That's the position of Shopify in the architecture in general from the e-commerce perspective. There are going to be e-commerce centric workflows that are going to be relevant in the B2B and B2C centric spaces. But overall, the intent of e-commerce is really doing that order capture as well as the customer experience centric workflows. But there is a lot more 
that needs to be done once the order is captured and that's where the e or the system uh, typically play also when you look at any of the e-commerce centric platforms typically they are not going to be as centralized as your ERP. So, for example, a company, let's say they are doing $15 million in revenue, they might have multiple sites uh, for Shopify just because they might have multiple brands, they might have multiple divisions, and you can have that. Uh, but your Shopify is not really a comparable, um, to be honest, overall from the ERP perspective. So that's where even if these solutions have Shopify's stamp, they are not meant to be an ERP. Andy, if you have any comment, I can take those. Nope. Okay. So here, one of the things that they have mentioned is implementation time is less than seven days. And the only reason why the implementation time is less than seven days is because they don't go through the same data modeling that most of the ERP systems are going to go through. Typically, the modeling that you are going to have with the ERP system, you start from your chart of accounts, then you are going to map those chart of accounts in many different layers in the business rules at the payment term level, at the bank account level, then bank accounts are going to be used at the customer level. For the bombs, you are going to have the same mapping and you are literally trying to create all of those rules that a bookkeeper is going to figure out in back end in the manual process. You are automating all of that. And that modeling itself takes time. Uh, it's not the systems that are taking long time. It's your own data that you have to map. That's your responsibility as a customer to be able to produce these mappings. The technical consultants can tell you how the data works inside the system, but this is your responsibility as a customer to be able to figure out all of these start of accounts mapping. And when you are looking at systems such as these, they are saying that, hey, implementation time is seven days. The only reason why uh, it is seven days is because it does not have as many layers and you are going to get a ton of issues because of those limited layers uh, that are available at each of the business object level. So here they have uh, 1,300 companies across 80 countries and 1,300 customers, um, and these are very small customers. Typically, this is going to be in the range of, let's say, $100,000 in revenue. Uh, okay, sometimes they are going to have 500,000, less than a million dollar revenue. That's their space in general. And they are going to have millions and millions of companies. These companies don't necessarily have that IT capacity to be able to afford. They don't have finance capacity. They don't have supply chain capacity. They don't have operations capacity. So how do you implement a system? It's very hard for these companies. And that's where these systems do a wonderful job uh, in general in being slightly more plug and play. But, you know, the best example NDI can provide to you is just because IKEA has created sort of this assembly mindset that you know what when you go to ikea you can pick a lot of furniture okay but that does not mean that ikea is everything okay when you are going to want let's say a custom furniture or you are going to have custom requirements and you have to ikea gets boring very fast in general you are going to have literally four options either you know you take it or leave it that's how ikea works in general a lot of people like it because of the convenience but that's not fit for everybody but when you look at the smaller smb space okay if you look at their data model if you look at their process model they are the most custom shops ever that's how their business model works and the reason why they are custom is because their larger competitors cannot provide the same custom experience so from the uh, business model perspective they are super custom and then if they want ikea then it's not gonna work so that's where the real disconnect is so you have to make a choice either go for ikea centric business model in which you have to make your choices. Or if you are going for a slightly more custom solution, that requires a lot more expertise. That requires a lot more implementation dollars in general. Okay. And again, if you're going to be $100,000, I would recommend go for IKEA. <laughs> okay. Simplify your business model. Try to somehow live and get to your $8, $10 million revenue. That's where you probably would need an ERP. Just don't assume that just because these solutions are designed to be simple, they are they have slightly more IKEA-centric business model that ERPs are any bad. They are not bad. <laughs> so everything has a place in the market. You have place for these solutions in the market as well, but that's going to be when you are going to be, let's say, less than $5 million in revenue because you just don't have internal expertise. You don't have enough resources to be able to afford any other system. Any comments, Andy? Good? No, yeah, good. Okay. Um, so here they are saying, okay, so one of the comments I think um, 
this is where the, the these solutions cross the line in my mind okay so now they are saying more than manufacturing erp software that's not true at all okay it's definitely not more than <laughs> well everything's relative right more than can mean anything it's not subjective and they are going to argue that they are simpler they are going to be comparable in terms of the checklist and a good uh, price probably uh, exactly. So that's how they are going to argue, but it's very hard to communicate what a real ERP is, to be honest. Even the consultants who have been practicing, in the, they struggle to explain what a real ERP is and why not. <laughs> Trust me, like, I mean, I have spoken to every single executive out there. And if you ask them to explain what a real ERP is and what is the difference between QuickBooks and ERP, they won't be able to explain. No. They, they will not be able to explain. So here they are saying data that moves as fast as your, what is that? Inventory, I guess. I mean, I think they uh, have that there. Then easy to set up and enjoyable to use. And again, I think this is the claim that we have seen from a lot of similar ERP systems. You look at ProShop. Uh, if you look at many other comparables, they all are going to claim that they are bigger than manufacturing ERP system. That's not true at all. The way their data model is designed, it's designed for very small companies that cannot afford to have the implementation dollars. And that's where their play is. So they should not be claiming, number one, themselves as the ERP. And number two, definitely not more than ERP. Okay, you are not more than ERP. <laughs> well, it depends. Maybe, they're, maybe they mean they're just ERP and Japanese swords. <laughs> so so andy the way this works is okay so if you are at a dtc shop you are an e-commerce shop okay uh, you are going to say hey i am giving you shopify i'm giving you shopify pre big integration i am giving you amazon integration i'm giving you a wms i'm giving you a qms that is going to be an app on shopify i'm going to give you an accounting so I should be more than an ERP. The challenge is, you know, and again, this is a huge misunderstanding in the community, the way APIs are positioned in the market, to be honest, okay? So nobody really talks about the embeddedness of these data model, embeddedness of the transaction. That's where the play is of ERP. In this particular case, yes, it's a very broad solution. But is it as tightly integrated the way your ERP is supposed to be? The whole idea of ERP is to tightly integrate your processes. The reason why you are tightly integrating your processes is because when you are going to be operating as silos in your organization, here is my operation, here is my supply chain, here is my inventory, here is my accounting, here is my sales. Okay, everybody's sort of sailing in their own boat, and that becomes a very problematic situation when you look at this more from the financial perspective if you're looking at financial control if you're looking at financial management that's not how companies are designed to operate if you want to grow you have to bring these together on one data model on one transaction on one fabric that's what is the beauty of erp but <laughs> nobody really understands what a real erp is and that's where the real problem is and that's why these guys are able to argue that i'm more than erp because i'm actually meshing together 10 different apps i can do anything and everything but once you go into the depth depth is where the play is that is what is missing overall from the community in general, Andy. Any any comments there? Well, you know, we, you know, we I mentioned about the ERP, and you know, prior to that, in the old days, they called it MRP two, and then they always seem to change the names or, or acronyms of these things. And eventually, every software in the world adopts that acronym because of a marketing platform. Um, the reality is, is that there is no set definition of what an ERP is. Yeah. So anyone can claim they are. Exactly. Could not agree more. And the great point. If you don't have anything else, then um, let's look at some more slides here. So one of the things that you are going to notice, okay, overall, the way the pricing works of these solutions, they could get fairly expensive in general. Okay, the way they price their solution, they are going to have very similar pricing as your Shopify. The reason why you are able to pay and afford Shopify the way Shopify is priced because it's all transaction based. The transaction based price gets very expensive. 
okay and if everybody is going to be pricing transaction based that becomes a problem in general when you look at shopify shopify is okay for the transaction based pricing is because you are also paying the similar fee for your credit card okay they are also acting as your credit card processor okay so because your bank is anyways going to charge 3.5% or whatever they are charging uh, for your transaction that's what you are paying to shopify and shopify can throw away that software for free so in general shopify is okay with that business model now if every single app and this is what uh, shopify likes to pitch and uh, you know recommend to everybody in the community that you should be charging based on gmv okay and then you are going to compute your price based on gmv for each of the app that you are going to get on shopify platform it becomes extremely expensive okay so here this is a you know let's say look at the business model here so here they are talking about these guys are pricing based on the sales order lines nd so here this is the 20 users roughly 10 employees 25 uh, 1000 sales order lines in my mind let's say if the 100 100 dollars is going to be the price of the line sometimes that could be more depending upon what you are selling but you are roughly looking at 2.5 million dollar in revenue and for that you are paying roughly 25k per year uh, in general that's a very high spend for the size of company i have seen let's say if you are going to go for acumatic and netsuite or the smaller size of erp or maybe uh, you know odoo you are probably going to pay about the same and you are going to get the real erp but again the implementation is going to be slightly more expensive than these platforms and the reason for that is because of the, the amount of data modeling that you have to do on those platform is going to be expensive okay so overall in the from the license perspective these platforms are not cheap at all okay they become very expensive in general so the only differentiator really is the implementation price if you can figure out how to afford the implementation you can get a lot more in the real erp system than being on something like this so uh, make sure you are paying attention there then uh, i have some more comments you're saying is 20 2233 per month but it's not really describing what's included for that so here i have tried to include something here and then i don't know if you are able to follow i'm happy to describe more so here 20 is the users and, and the font is really small because it is actually right. taken from the youtube video so sometimes right. it becomes very hard to read that i apologize for that but here you have the 20 users you have 10 shop floor users so roughly 30 employees i would say okay for 30 employees these are 25000 um, sales order lines and sales order lines meaning if one sales order is going to have let's say 10 lines okay that's accounted as 10 order lines so let's say if you have i don't know 1000 orders and each of them have um, 10 lines then you are looking at roughly what 10000 sales order lines in this particular case this is the price for 25000 sales order lines if each of those sales order lines let's say have the price of 100 dollars i don't know what you have in that sometimes you could have five quantity sometimes you could have one quantity the reason why these guys have designed this price is because for let's say if you look at retailers for them they are typically going to have just one line but let's say if you go to distributor they are going to have multiple lines on the sales order okay if they are going to price based on the sales order it's going to be unfair for somebody <laughs> that's why they are pricing based on the sales order lines but again if you compute your price this is going to be fairly expensive in general $25000 is not a cheap price by any stretch of imagination especially if you are going to be let's say a million or 2 million dollar in revenue 25000 is a decent amount you can probably get any erp system in that price here they are saying full user access and by the way i mean one of the uh, thing that you are going to notice here with these platforms is the access levels that these platforms typically support are going to be fairly lean and minimal okay it's going to be either open it up for everybody or you are going to limit only for few users so that's where their platforms are designed because their data model is very simple so they have only two user types one is going to be full user meaning like your shop floor worker can look at your balance sheet okay i don't think any cfo is going to be happy with that uh, arrangement if so these guys have designed uh, only two different user types one is going to have full user meaning they have access to everything which is a financial disaster in my mind or the second one is going to be that you have the shop floor user which is very lean they are really individual contributor 
they are simply performing the tasks. That's how these user accesses are designed. Now, when you look at the real ERP system, they are going to have multiple layers of security uh, in terms of, you know, okay, I am separating my procurement. I am separating my accounting. I am separating, let's say, the order capture CRM. So they are going to have all of those rules and accesses. And that's also a differentiation between a platform like this and a real ERP platform. Uh, Andy, any comments? Uh, no, no. Manufacturing data. So here they are saying shop floor accounts have limited access uh, to the same platform and only use Katana to view and complete uh, assigned tasks associated with the manufacturing orders, the user login. Okay, so there is nothing much there. Individual production employees, each employee has a dedicated account and task list. Workstations, a dedicated account and a task list per workstation. So the limited user is going to be for the workstation uh, as well as for the shop floor user. So here, this is an example of one sales order is equal to what two lines with one item each and one line with five item, which is going to be roughly three lines. And that's what I was trying to explain overall how these lines are captured. So if you have three lines, one sales, uh, one line has one item. The second line has just one item. The third could have the five. So in total, you are probably going to have seven items, but these are really the three sales order lines that you have at the sales order level. Okay, so here some more commentary here. Uh, and uh, we have, for example, let's say if you look at the unit of measure, the way unit of, unit of measure are designed, they don't have any data correlated with that. Typically, at the unit of measure level, you are going to have multiple uh, data points. At least you are going to have the source unit of measure, you are going to have the destination use, uh, uh, unit of measure, and then you are going to have a little conversion factor there. In their case, we are going to look at the unit of measure screen as well. They don't have all of those layers, so it's literally the way their unit of measure is designed, it's text-based. So again, you don't have as many layers, and even the smaller distributors and manufacturers are going to run into a lot of issues in using this platform. But again, it's a very poor man's data model. Uh, now, they have a lot of different workarounds, the way they have designed their bombs and SKUs. Um, so in their case, they are able to accommodate the matrix inventory because they are operating in a lot of different apparel space where they are going to require the matrix inventory. And the way they have designed this is the matrix inventory for them. Uh, each of the rows that you are going to have at the bomb level, you are uh, each of those are going to be affiliated with one of the variants. So the advantage that you are going to get with this is you don't have to maintain as many SKUs for each of those variants. You can maintain just one bomb and that can produce all of those variants that you are looking for. But this is a very crude way of managing your matrix inventory. Typically, this is not how I have seen. This is a very interesting way of managing this. And again, when you look at the costing layers, you literally don't have any layers there. In fact, I mean, the, they have mentioned in some of their videos is that sometimes the costing could be off. <laughs> I just don't get it. I mean, why would the costing be off? Okay, if you actually calculate the costing properly, if you're accounting for your inventory properly, so they have provided a spreadsheet which you can upload and change the cost of any finished goods. Typically, the cost of finished good, you never modify that because that is the variant of each of the raw material and each of the inventory layers that you are going to have because here, literally, you are changing the inventory value, which is against the... <laughs> all the accounting principles. You are not supposed to do that. Okay, so again, these systems are not really designed from the accounting perspective. It's supposed to be a poor man's uh, inventory in the ERP system. Any any comments there, Andy? Uh, I'm just looking at the data fields, length, variant code slash SKU, default sales price, ingredient cost, operation cost. Interesting field labels. Exactly. And I think the length is very piece centric inventory. Uh, Andy, okay, so here you have the three uh, meter length. So these are two different variants that they are producing based on your jungle gym. Um, so you have three meter length, you have the six meter length. And then at the bomb level, they are identifying, okay, this particular raw material is going to be used for your three meter versus six meter. That's how they are sort of segmenting it. But again, in my mind, there's a very crude way of managing. Typically, in the other ERP system, you are going to have uh, 
uh, a finished good, then you are going to have a variant. So you choose the variant, and then that is going to have its own bomb layers. The way your item is going to have the bomb layers. So typically, the bomb layers are completely separate. You sort of don't mix them together as part of one bomb, and that's where my problem is with this data model. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Andy, if you agree with that or not, but yeah, uh, just because these guys don't have to do the, the costing, and when you look at all of those 10,000 uh, layers of costing, then you get into the real accounting accounting, uh, you know, uh, it, it, this data model is not going to scale. My only comment is don't talk about bombs when you're at the airport. Exactly. This is not the joke I have heard for the first time. <laughs> this has become the popular joke on the show. It's an easy joke. It's an easy joke that everybody can understand, Andy. Thank you so much. That's right. <laughs> uh, but do not talk about that on the airport. That's right. <laughs> that is correct. I have tendency to do that. So here uh, we are looking at the sales order. Sales order, uh, you know, gets one item. This one item is going to be three meter item that we were building on the other screen. Uh, so here, obviously, they have figured out a way to sort of uh, mimic the ATP process. Uh, but there are a lot of problems with this ATP process that we are going to review in the reviews as well because they are not looking at the actual inventory. Obviously, you are going to have a lot of issues in the way they are managing. But, you know, for a, a, an user, it might be okay because you are actually looking at not available, in stock, everything is sort of pretty and nice. So what could go wrong? Once you get into the details of how these things are structured, then you will realize how limited this data model is going to be, even for very small business in general. So that's what they have done from the ADP perspective, but it's just mind-blowing the kind of features and functionality that they are trying to propose. But overall, the MRP is not going to work, to be honest, because you just don't have those costing layers uh, the way ERP is supposed to work, the way supply chain is supposed to work. Here, uh, you know, this, uh, and this is the screenshot from this video, and in this, the presenter had agreed that as per the video, if these, the sub-assemblies are in stock for MTO, it will still make all of them on the order. And this is a big no-no because this is going to be that you are making a lot more products that I have already in the stock. So ideally, you should be able to use that. So in this, I mean, you are probably going to be doing a lot of custom arrangements in general to be able to manage those because obviously you don't want to impact your manufacturing because of the data model limitation. Um, so again, they have a lot of issues overall uh, in terms of the allocation process, in terms of the MRP process, the way inventory is going to be allocated to the orders. They can never do the same things, even comparable to a smaller ERP system such as Odoo. Uh, here, then uh, they are saying products are sent as description in the QuickBooks. So if you look at the way products are sent, they don't necessarily have the SKU inside your QuickBooks. I don't know how fishbowl screens are going to look, Andy, uh, but typically you are probably going to have some sort of SKU inside QuickBooks. But here you are sending the SKU number as text. So you don't have that traceability. You don't have that correlation that's gone. Your accounting system is completely separate. So here you cannot really trace back, let's say, if you want to do end-to-end -end traceability. Okay, whatever happened in your ledgers now, you want to trace back. Okay, where is that coming from? Which particular product, which particular order? And let's say if you want to build that financial insight, you just don't have that. Uh, you cannot do that because you lost that traceability. And that's where the real difference is in, in, in the data model. Here, when you are going to look at the screens, I mean, this looks pretty amazing, mind-blowing. Okay, when you are going to look at all of these apps that you are going to find right inside uh, either your Shopify marketplace or you are going to find in the Katana marketplace that you can in integrate all of these apps with one click. That's just mind-blowing experience for a user. But once you get into the depth of the inventory, supply chain, scheduling, uh, you know, allocation, commitments, that's where the real gap is. You are not going to get all of that. So integration is great. You can do commerce, but supply chain operations, accounting, uh, procurement, you are going to have a lot of challenges. But here, overall, from the integration perspective, you are getting a lot. You might not get as many integrations with the ERP ecosystem. And that this is where uh, I think the real benefit is for these smaller shops who cannot afford to have those integrations. You know, you are not going to get as many pre-baked integration in general, uh, because typically when you look at these ERP systems, their workflows are going to be very custom in general. So pre-baked integrations, they don't work. Uh, and that's the reason why some of those ERP systems might not be able to support the pre-baked integration. So you need to make a choice whether you want something super pre-baked, you know, IKEA assembly <laughs> that can get you to roughly 8 to $10 million uh, until you get really 
uh, sort of complex and operations, then you need to probably uh, get really a pieces. Here, if you look at the data model, and this is, I want to make sure that we are looking at the real data model. And if you really want to pay attention to their data model, you have to look at their APIs. And people talk about APIs all the time, how easy they have made from the API perspective, but the number of layers that you are going to have inside your API is going to dictate how scalable your ERP system is going to be overall from the product perspective, from the business model perspective. So here you are looking at create a customer and typically in the ERP system, you are going to have many different layers. You are going to have, let's say, your B2C account, you are going to have B2B account. Inside B2B account, you are going to have multiple chip tools. You are going to have multiple build tools. Sometimes you might have parent accounts. Sometimes you might have buying groups. So the whole customer hierarchy is very complex. And the way you are going to model this is going to uh, uh, decide you know, how much insight and in the KPIs that you are going to get as a business. So here, this is a very Shopify-centric data model. Okay, So the way Shopify is designed, it has flattened the data model. Because from the sales and marketing perspective, you don't really care for all of that. Okay, So they are really trying to simplify for the sales and marketing teams because they don't have to get into the operational complexity, financial complexity, supply chain complexity. That's how Shopify is designed. That's why Shopify is so easy. But you have to map these things if you really want to integrate your processes tightly, if you want to get that customer 360, if you want to get that inventory 360, okay, you are never going to get with this data model. So here, the only layer you have is you have the first name, last name, uh, you know, addresses. You don't even have shipping address. You don't have sort of billing address. They are probably going to be using a flag to be able to identify the address. That's not how your billing and shipping addresses are supposed to work. Because the billing and shipping addresses, they are going to have their own data models. You are going to have a contact person, and that typically is used in modeling how your billing processes are going to be. So you don't even have those basics here uh, overall uh, from the data model perspective. That's how lean this data model is. Does not even have a contact. If you look at HubSpot data model, at least HubSpot data model has a contact. This one does not even have a contact. Can you believe this? Uh, okay, so it's very, very, very lean the way it is designed. Now, if you look at the product, and product is supposed to be one of the most complex data model in general, especially if you talk about the manufacturing ERP system, you are probably going to have 1,000 layers, even if you're looking at decent-sized uh, manufacturing system because you need to go through all of those inventory layers. Um, you have to go through all of those FIFO, LIFO layers. Uh, you know, that's how you are going to get your costing, allocation, inventory, supply chain. Okay, in this particular, you just don't have anything. Here, you hardly have what? Uh, you have the ID, you have the name, UIM as a text field. Can you believe this? Okay, then you are going to have a little category name. You are going to have a bunch of flags, which is okay. Then you have type, very, very, very lean. Okay, and the only layer you have, the one-to-end layer, is going to be based on your variance. Can you believe this? So the data model is extremely lean overall from the product perspective. Now, <laughs> this is the simplest vendor object that I've seen in any ERP system. Okay, the only thing you have is the email address of the vendor. Can you believe this? Okay, the whole supply chain, you can do only based on email address. <laughs> so when you're in the software, you see that coding? Is that what you see? So this on the is... So this is the data model and the, the way these APIs work is this is your data model, okay? So data model is going to be sort of a language that you use to be able to communicate. So for example, let's say if you are going to be on UI, you have, you know, let's say six different tabs on your item screen. Each of those tabs are going to have, let's say, 20 different fields. So in general, you have 10 layers and you have 10 times 20 fields. That is the data model for your item master. Okay, that typically drives how your items are going to be mapped and how your bombs are going to be mapped, how you are going to be doing costing, how you are going to be doing accounting. That all is missing here. Are you with me or not with me? No, I'm with you. There's not a lot. Yeah, here, if you look at the unit of measure, this is the unit of measure that I was talking about. Here, the only thing you have is just the text field. I mean, why do you even have a <laughs> mapping for that? You can have the text field there, but they probably did this. Uh, so this is going to be slightly more scalable, where let's say if you want to introduce some more fields here, and typically the whole idea of unit of measure is you need to have the conversion rate because the currency that you are going to have for your books is going to be very different from the currency that you are going to have on your order. So that whole process is typically automated inside your ERP system. Here, you are going to be doing all of that manual computation uh, <laughs> because the system cannot really support that. 
So yeah, very, very lean data model in general. Now let's look at some of the reviews. So here we are talking about BP of operations in US and two to 10 employees is the company and that's the size that I would think that is going to be probably good. And they compared it with what? MRP easy. They compared it with NetSuite, which is mind blowing. Uh, then they also compared it with Zoho inventory and Zoho is not a manufacturing product in general. So I don't know why they reviewed this one. But that's okay. So this was reviewed two years ago. Okay. So here the user is commenting. And by the way, this is VP of operations. Okay. They are saying the zero integration works seamlessly for builds and sales orders, which speeds AP and AR quite a bit. 90% of the tools value is outside of zero though. So these guys, they sort of have automated AR and AP, but again, you are not getting the real automation that you're going to get with a with an ERP system, the big, the kind of layers uh, it is going to have. And sometimes it's just harder to explain. I don't know how to explain. The reality, uh, the truth is going to be in the data model. So if you, uh, you know, we need to dig into the data model to be able to understand these things. Uh, but once you get into the real KPI calculation, that's where you are going to realize that how limiting this data model is in general. So here they are saying they need to do some performance work. Obviously, the whole data model is very lean. The system it is designed to be simple. The system is designed to run on very lean platform. And that's why when you are going to have thousands of SKUs, this one is not going to scale. And that's why they have flattened the data model because they are not able to support the transactional workload. So they have to do the flattening of data model again. When you create an ERP system, you have to create from scratch <laughs> okay, to be able to support that workload. Uh, you know, the way these systems are designed, they are designed from the commerce perspective. And now it's very hard to uh, scale that data model because they are not going through the traditional process, uh, traditional database design, the way it is supposed to be designed. Here we have the e-commerce manager in US. This is retail, two to 10 employees. Again, very, very, very small company. Uh, this one was three months ago. And here they are saying has to click individually into each order to see any items that are ready to ship. And this is the one to end scenario. So again, they don't have as much traceability overall from the transaction perspective, from the business object perspective, from the reporting perspective. That's why you are going to be doing a lot more work because the underlying data model is very lean and limited. That's why they cannot have the same traceability that you are going to get with the ERP system. With ERP systems, the modeling is going to be difficult. The implementation is going to be difficult. But once you implement that, then that is going to be far more scalable data model in terms of the scenarios that you are going to explain, uh, explore you know, getting the flat data model from your layered data model is, is easier. You can get that. Uh, but if you have the flat data model and you are trying to get layered inside, that is nearly impossible. You cannot achieve that. So here they are saying uh, easily flip to the next order. You have to close that window and click on the next order. You are going to be working very, very hard in general. They want the partial shipment. Obviously, it's not designed for partial shipment. It's going to be really hard for them to be able to support the partial shipment. Again, the data model is extremely lean. If you want to get into all of those one to end scenarios where you have the partial shipment, you have the partial invoice, you have the consolidation of shipment, consolidation of invoice. Good luck with those scenarios with this data model. It's not going to work. So here we have a small business with fewer, fewer employees. This is a very recent review. So here they are saying without the need to create product SKU for every uh, possible variant combination. So obviously that's a huge plus, but the way they have designed the data model, it's a very crude way of modeling this data in general. So yes, you are going to get that benefit, but you are not going to get all of those benefits that you are going to have in a real, real ERP system. Here they are saying easy integration with Shopify and Zero are also important features. Yes, you are right. While it is going to be easy, the integration is not going to be scalable. So that's another point that you might want to note. Here, they don't like something ability to integrate Katana and Shopify at the material level. So the user somehow now knows they must have used this platform for some time. That's how they figured out that, okay, at the item level, you are not integrated. Okay. Uh, and you have to use the system for some time to be able to see this. And item is where the real complexity is with data modeling in most ERP system. So here, the item traceability is not there between your QuickBooks as well as in your MRP system. So that 
material availability could be reflected via Shopify. It's going to be really hard for them to be able to do that. Maybe they can do from the Shopify perspective, but they will not be able to do overall from the WMS perspective uh, as well as from the ERP perspective. The ability for Katana to identify a product as being out of stock, again, when you get into all of those complicated scenarios, uh, you will have issues and it will be very hard for them to be able to implement all of these scenarios because the data model is very crude. It's not designed to incorporate all of those scenarios because they are not following the ERP dictionary. If you follow the ERP dictionary, if you follow the ERP data model, then it becomes much easier to be able to accommodate these scenarios because you know that's how the modeling is supposed to be done. In the engineering world, I guess, I don't know how to describe that, but I mean, you know, the, the whole modeling has been tested by a lot of different products, a lot of different business models, and that's why the standard ERP systems are going to follow the traditional ERP dictionary. Uh, this data model, this data model is not going to scale. Here we have the small business, 50 or fewer employees. Here they are saying additional function that does not divide the order by product. Again, when you get into all of those uh, nuanced scenarios, one-to-end scenarios. So here they are saying does not divide the order by product. Yes, you are going to have those challenges because again, you don't have those correlations inside your uh, product. That's why it will be very challenging for them to be able to implement these things unless they scale the data model. Scaling the data model is one of the most difficult things that you are going to undertake. Even the bigger ERP companies struggle with that. Yeah, and it's going to take a lot of manual effort in general from the accounting perspective because they have to do a lot of manual computation. When you, they, they would need to do that because they need that from the accounting and reporting perspective. So when they are doing the financial reporting, they are going to be uh, putting a lot of effort in general. Here we have one more comment. So this is coming from 2022. Here they are saying one that has access to everything and another that can only complete work orders, uh, able to define roles with a little more granularity so that a buyer, for instance, can change the bomb uh, on an accident. And again, all of these controlled scenarios, you don't have all of that because the access is enabled for everybody. Uh, Again, this is not supposed to be an ERP system. So you are not going to have all of those granularity in your data model. Um, I would like to like a location to document the supplier lot number and assign a lot number. Don't expect all of that. It's going to be really tricky for them to be able to uh, implement all of that. Andy, do you have any comments? We have three minutes right now, or do you want to cover this review? Let's cover the review. Review? Okay. So here they are saying we would have to pay another 199 plus a month to use a third-party software to accomplish. Uh, We don't need complex forecasting, just something. So they are looking for slightly more forecasting. Even forecasting is going to be extremely difficult for them because most of the forecasting software, they require layers. Even if you go for the basic SNOP software, the SNOP software designed more from the supply chain perspective. They are designed by the supply chain consultants. So they are looking for all of those layers at the product level when you look at the pricing, when you look at the product availability. But this product is not going to have all of that. So I don't know how you can translate that from a flattened data model. So that could be the reason why they are not able to accommodate all of those SNOP scenarios here. Then they are saying, I'm not sure we can do this forecasting ourselves without the third-party app. Even if you had that, then you have to do a lot of translation to be able to use the third-party app. And that could be the reason why they are struggling there. It seems convenient at first, but it pulls POs into QuickBooks with the wrong date. Can you believe this? (laughs) Uh, The date itself is wrong. Uh, and then which causes issues with bookkeepers. So again, you are going to get a lot of issues when the data is going to be transported in your QuickBooks and then bookkeepers have to uh, put a lot of effort. So from the commerce perspective, it's great because you have all of those integrations, but all the backend pieces is just missing in these uh, systems. Uh, then you have the stock transfers from one warehouse to the next level, uh, no time delay. Again, don't get into all of those complex scenarios because the data model is not designed to support all of that. When selling back orders, Katana will record the sale as a $0 sale and they have taken a lot of shortcuts. So that's why they have to do that. Uh, and again, you are going to run into a lot of business issues in how you are going to accommodate and then you have to put a lot of workarounds there. On POs, there is no way to add shipping after the fact. Again, nuance scenario details is where the real problem is. So if you're looking for basic transactions, these software are good, but when you get into the complex, uh, you know, commerce scenarios, the operational scenarios, the supply chain, the inventory scenarios, that's where the real gap is. Um, Okay, one more 
Okay, so here the the best comment, okay, in this is here this user has somehow figured out this is coming from 2022 that they don't like allows conflicting of SKUs and barcodes, and that's a big no-no. <laughs> so you you are going to have duplication in your SKUs. Can you believe this? Okay, I have seen duplications in your customer and vendor master, but I have never seen duplication in your SKUs. Here, the data model is so bad that you are going to have duplication in your SKUs, and if you are going to have duplication in your SKUs, I don't know how you are going to do your inventory planning. <laughs> so you know this is really running based on an owner-based system because you don't really have true accountability uh, of the inventory. <laughs> and the no printing link as yet—that's awfully odd. Yeah, that's a minor issue uh, in general, Andy. But I mean, you know, for me, if you don't have your inventory figured out, that's a real financial control issue. Uh, that's not right. I mean, once you get audited, uh, you know, and sometimes it also depends upon the auditors, how capable they are, to be honest. <laughs> but this is not the right thing to do because you are actually misreporting your inventory value from the accounting perspective. <laughs> It looks like it's only designed for one single warehouse as well, I guess. Eh? They might be. I think they are able to support multiple locations, but you cannot really have that transition location inside your warehouse. Uh, that's where the real gap is. Yeah. So, Andy, I don't know. Do you have any, any more closing comments? Hey, you know what? There's a thousand ERPs or, or so, uh, business softwares on the market, whatever, however you want to describe them. Some are very expensive. Some are very inexpensive. Um, you know, whichever one you're looking at, I recommend you speak to companies that are already past the learning curve so they can give you their insight of what they like and dislike. Exactly. Could not agree more. And if you are going to be in that $1 million, $2 million range, this is a great software yeah. because you cannot really afford the implementation fee. Uh, but once you grow, then, you know, that's where if you want to get your inventory supply chain, man, this is not supposed to be a manufacturing software, you know, in general. But this is great when you are really small. Any other final closing comments? No? Okay. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another topic. On that note, thanks everyone for tuning in tonight. Thank you very much. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about ND Pratico, head over to essoft.com. It's essoft.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.